You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we have before us the beautiful and always surprising parable from our Lord Jesus, commonly called the parable of the prodigal son, but we're not going to let that name throw us off. In fact, Jesus tells the parable mostly because of the Second, the non-prodigal son, the older brother, the Pharisee of the family. Remember this chapter, Luke chapter 15, began with the Pharisees complaining that the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus and that he was receiving them and he was even eating with them. So Jesus tells three parables. First, the parable of the seeking shepherd who leaves the 99 in the wilderness to go and find the one that was lost and then finding that sheep he goes home and throws a party and then the second parable the parable of the seeking widow who when she had lost one of her 10 coins lights a lamp and sweeps the entire house until she finds it and when she does she calls together her friends and her neighbors and she has a party so jesus says there is joy in heaven and rejoicing with the angels when one sinner repents And then Jesus takes up this third and final parable of the series. If we call the first one the parable of the seeking shepherd and the second one the parable of the seeking widow, then this one should be called the parable of the waiting and welcoming father. Who is this father, the main character, it turns out. So here's the parable. A man has two sons. The younger comes to his father and asks for his share of the inheritance. Now, you, you can imagine that. It's like the son says to the father, I wish you were dead so that I could have all of your money. And the first surprise, the father gives it to him. In fact, the text says that the father divided up the property and gave it to the two sons, half to the younger and half to the older. They both get their inheritance. And this younger son takes the money and travels to a heathen land, and there he lives like a heathen, gratifying his desires, chasing after his pleasures. But soon the money runs out. And more, a famine arises, and this boy is hungry. So he finds a job, perhaps the lowest job of all, especially for a Jewish boy. He's feeding the pigs. And he is so hungry, you can imagine this, that he's drooling over the pig food. And nobody, the text says, will give him anything. Now you can imagine that in this desperate state, this boy remembers his childhood, how he was never hungry in his father's house, or he was never with any sort of want. He remembers the warmth and security of his father, and how even the servants that lived in the home with him had a good life, and so he comes up with a plan. I know I'm not worthy, To be in my father's house, I can never be a son of my father again, but I'll go home and I'll apologize to my father and I will beg him to make me one of his slaves. Here's the words of the text. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father... I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. You can see it. At least I hope you can see it in your imagination. This boy 
contrite, sorrowful, embarrassed, ashamed, shuffling back to his father's house. How, how many times do you think that he, he stopped in the middle of the road and turned around and said, forget it. I'm not going back there. This is never going to work. My father is probably so angry with me that he won't even look me in the face. I wish that he was dead. I took half of his life's work and I wasted it away and there's nothing left. Maybe, maybe he'll have my brother and the other servants beat me and throw me in prison. But then he turns back around and he plods back home. No better option. He, along the way, is rehearsing his repentance. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Make me your slave. Not worthy to be your son. Make me your slave. Not worthy. Make me a slave. So that this boy's only hope and his best possible outcome is ending up as a servant in the father's house. Now, in the meantime, the father and the older son are back home, both working. But the father always has his eye on the horizon, hoping and praying that one day this youngest son of his will return. And at last it happens. His son, weak, famished, broken, staggers down the road, and the father sees him from a long way off, and he runs to him, and he scoops him up in his arms, and he kisses him. Now, there is not for us a more beautiful picture of the gospel. I mean, here we are in our sin and our shame, embarrassed even to imagine that God would let us into his presence, and Jesus runs to the cross and suffers all that so he can scoop us up in his mercy and embrace us with his love. There's no doubt that everyone who sees this father, this old man, running down the street and grabbing a hold of his boy and treating his son this way, there is no doubt that they're all surprised. The servants, the older brother, we're going to find out, and even the younger son as well. This is probably the last thing that he expected. But still, even as his father is kissing him, <laughs> he begins this rehearsed speech. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father won't have it. None of it. Get a robe, the best one. Get a ring. Kill the calf. Look, it's my boy, my son, back from the dead. And this father, like the shepherd in the first parable and the widow in the second, throws a party and the entire household celebrates, except for one. The older brother is in the field. I suspect that the older brother spent most of his time in the field. <laughs> he was a hard worker. And in a few minutes, we're going to find out what he thought of all of his hard work. He's in the field, and he hears this older boy, hears the music, he sees the dancing and the cheering, he smells the barbecue, and he asks one of the servants, what is this? And he answers, your younger brother came back. Your father has embraced him and kissed him and put a robe on him and sandals and a ring and killed the, the calf for him. And this older brother is furious. Now, you can see it. I hope you can see it. And this older brother had followed the rules. 
he had his whole life worked hard. He had tried to always do right by his father. He knew the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil, between obedience and sin. He'd studied hard. He'd worked hard. He'd always been careful to keep the rules. He was, he was careful. He was courteous. He saved his money. He was chaste. He was really, if we were just looking at it, he was really a good boy and now a good man. And he had a sense of justice. And when this older boy saw what the younger brother had, had done to his father, how he had sinned against his father and offended his father, he couldn't believe it. And he was angry with his brother. He'd been angry with his brother for offending the father and their family and for the way that that younger brother lived. And rightly so, because you would be angry too. In fact, I suspect that in all of our own families, there's some of this anger. There's someone who's gone and arranged to get more of an inheritance than someone else, or there's someone, you know, the black sheep of the family that's gone off the rails and lives as if there's no God in the world, and the rest of the family is angry at them or embarrassed about them. This older brother, no doubt, had thought as he worked in the field and had imagined what would happen if the younger brother came back. And I would guess that his plans would include beating that boy up and throwing him in prison like the younger brother was worried about. But now the younger brother's back. And instead of punishing him and sending him away, the father has embraced him and thrown a party for him. Now, Remember, Jesus is telling this parable to the Pharisees who were upset about how Jesus was eating with sinners. And we see the righteous indignation of the Pharisees in this older brother. So what happens? The older, the older son refuses to go into the party, so the father goes out to him. Now, I really think we should be constantly surprised by this father. I mean, what father would actually divide up the inheritance to his children before he dies? Or what father would would not at least demand an apology and some acts of contrition for a son who wants to come back after wasting half of his goods? Or what father would go out into the field to coddle a whining son? Let him sulk, I think is what I would have said. But not this father. Not your father. He now goes out into the field to the second son. And the conversation that we have is going to tell us quite a bit. Here it is from the text, Luke 15, 28 to 32. The oldest son became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to his son, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. Now note these words carefully. We're going to come back to them. But note this. 
that just like the youngest son when he was coming back to the father's house knew that he couldn't be a son but rather wanted to be a slave of the father, so now too this older son also thought of himself as the father's slave. All these years I've worked for you. All these years I've done everything that you commanded. See it? Now, what I would like to suggest to you is that Jesus in this parable is outlining for us the three conditions of life without the gospel. And they are these. First, hedonism. Second, despair. And third, pride. And all three lives are here in the text. The first is hedonism, which is simply a lawless life of chasing after your own pleasures. This was the youngest son as he runs away from home with the father's wealth. Hedonism says, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. Hedonism looks at God's commandments as restrictive party poopers and killjoys. So the hedonist throws off the rules to live how they want to live. Now you all know that we live in a hedonistic world and a hedonistic culture, but like the younger son learns very quickly, this kind of life turns up empty. The pursuit of pleasure for its own sake, as King Solomon has taught us, is vanity, and it ends in death. Now, this should be obvious to Christians, so we'll leave it there and look specifically to the other two conditions, the other two options for life without the gospel, despair and pride. This youngest son, having matured past hedonism, has come to the point of despair. And we hear it in these words where he says, I am not worthy to be called your son. When God's law has done its work on us and, like a mirror, shown us our own sin so that we recognize how desperately wicked we are and we even begin to feel and taste our own fallenness, then we come to this despair. We see that we do not keep God's law. We see that we cannot keep God's law. We see our sins against our neighbor, our anger, our lust, our greed, and more. We start to see our sins against God, our trust in ourselves, our fear of death, our love of the world, and whatever. And we know that the filth of our sin is like rot in the nose of God and that He would be right to send us to hell. Now, this is despair. And our only hope in this despair without the gospel is somehow, by our own efforts, to maybe be a slave in God's house and spend the rest of our lives making up for the things that we've done wrong. If you want a picture, dear friends, of most world religions, this is it. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me your slave. Despair. And then there's the third option, which is the flip side of despair. Pride. This is the older son. This is the Pharisee. This is the person that thinks that by their own works and their own efforts, they've managed to make God happy. But look, and I I hope you can see it, both the despairing and the prideful have the same hope to be the father's slave. The youngest son hoped that he could earn slavehood. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me your slave. The older boy thought he was the father's slave all along. For so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And this, dear friends, is us without the gospel. 
We want in one way or another to think of God as the master and ourselves as his slave, either running from his rules, hedonism, or working to win his approval, despair, or thinking that we have achieved his approval through our diligence, pride. But the Father will not have it. Your Father in heaven will not have it. He wants sons, not slaves. Children, not servants. So, to the sinner who's in despair, who thinks that they can never be accepted by God, Jesus runs to them and scoops them up in His arms and forgives your sins and embraces you and kisses you. He doesn't kill the fatted calf for you. He has something better. He Himself is the sacrifice to end the anger and the wrath of God. He Himself is the feast. And He clothes you with the robe of His righteousness. And He puts the family ring on you in your baptism. And He claims you as His son and His daughter and His beloved. To the despairing, the Father says, you belong here in this family, in this house, and at this feast. And to the sinner tempted with pride, who thinks that they've earned a place through their efforts, who are troubled when they see the younger brother welcomed home and Jesus eating with sinners, they are called to repent of their pride and rejoice in the forgiveness of Jesus for sinners, knowing this, that they have the same forgiveness, that they too are children of the Heavenly Father, not His servants, not His slaves. Because everything He has is yours. Not because you've earned it or deserved it through your hard work, but because your brother Jesus has died for you. And in His death and in His resurrection, He has delivered to you all of the gifts of God, His Spirit and His kingdom and His name and His mercy and His kindness and forgiveness and eternal life. The Father wants sons, not slaves. And you, dear saints, are his sons, his children. Born not of flesh and blood, but born of the word. Born of the blood of Jesus. Born of the mercy and grace of God. And born into the hope of eternal life. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. If you're dragging yourself to the Father, hoping only to be a slave, then look. See the Father running to you, embracing you, kissing you, delighting in you. And if if you're standing out there in the field sulking, stubborn, because you see that God's grace isn't fair, then see the Father coming to you, giving you everything that is His, Embracing you as his child. And dear friends, rejoice all together that we are called to the feast of the Lord's kindness and the celebration of his grace. You are at that feast this morning. You are in that celebration. The angels are here rejoicing and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit rejoicing over you even as you rejoice in them. And this mercy 
and this kindness and this joy and this feast, dear saints, will have no end. May God make it so. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.